Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. 18 minutes, it's 11 minutes after 10, and uh, you are live on 104 to 107 Nationwide. Let's welcome our first guest, Nicola um, Yeah, Nicola is going to have to help me with her surname. Is it Degay? But Nicola is going to be speaking to us uh, around the issue of what we need to do in South Africa um, to improve education for children with disabilities. She holds a PhD in uh, economics, or in fact is a PhD candidate in economics for Stellenbosch University. Nicola, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Help me with Don't your surname, worry. You're please. You're not the only one who can't say my surname. It's Degay. Degay. All right. <laughs> uh, is it German? Um, it's French, Belgian, and yeah, very exotic. <laughs> very, very exotic. <laughs> Thank you very much for helping me. So it's Degay, Nicola. Let's let's speak about the the struggles that children with disabilities are facing in uh, the education space here in South Africa. Yeah. Well. Um, in terms of, of children with disabilities or, or learning difficulties who are in mainstream schools, and, and that's really the direction that um, that we want to be going um, as a country is to, to be inclusive and including a diverse range of kids in, in a single classroom, the real struggle for children is to get the support they need in those mainstream environments um, so that they can really perform to the best of, of their abilities. Um, and and the struggle then is also um, how prepared the teachers are and how ready they are, how well trained they are to really reach a wide range of learners in one classroom. But the way our education system ra- currently is running, it doesn't seem that an inclusive classroom is something that anyone is prepared for. I mean, already we are struggling with uh, making sure that all primary school children are going into school at the same time and having the appropriate social distance and infrastructure available for them. Yeah, look, COVID certainly thrown a bit of a, a curveball um, at the education sector as a whole, and it certainly hasn't hasn't helped um, with, with inclusion, as you say, you know, just education for, for all children has been, has been really disrupted very badly. Um, but hopefully this is a short-term setback and, and it's important that we continue to focus not just on the, the problems of right now, but also um, problems that we will face in the future. So how, how well are we preparing for, um, for including a full range of, of children with all sorts of abilities and disabilities in, in a single classroom. Um, and a lot of that comes down to, to teacher training. Um, and that's, that's one of the factors that my research has looked at. Mm. I'd like to open up the lines to all our A-teamers who are listening right now. Uh, Nicola Degay is a PhD candidate in economics at the Stellenbosch University. And we are speaking about uh, what South Africa needs to do to improve education for disabled children. Can you call in and tell me what sort of challenges you are facing in, with the education system as a parent who has a child in, the, in you know, going to school? Do you feel that an inclusive classroom in a mainstream school would do your child good? Do you feel that our teachers are adequately, um, you know, um, equipped to do such? And also, if you perhaps are um, disabled and you are attending education uh, facilities, how do you feel these are 
you know, faring um, to, to suit you and your needs and to make things easier for you. Call in on 011-714-2006 or WhatsApp 614 SMSs go to 41391. Now, Nicola, in terms of teacher training, what sort of teacher training would we need to ensure an inclusive mainstream classroom? Well, I think the the main finding of, of the research that I've done is that while um, a fairly high percentage of our teachers, so it was around 74% of our teachers, have had some training that prepares them for um, identifying learners who have additional support needs or and for supporting those learners who have, have learning difficulties or disabilities. Um, when we drill down and try and um, establish just how much depth the training goes into, um, we find that the training is really quite lacking. So um, while 74% of the teachers we, um, that were surveyed in, in this large school survey in 2017 had some training, when we asked for the detail in terms of how many teachers had looked at, had been trained in curriculum differentiation, so that's around um, how does the teacher adapt the curriculum in the classroom so that he or she can reach a, a range of learners with different abilities, and, um, and how do they adapt their teaching methods to reach different kids. We're really only seeing around 57% of teachers that have been trained in those areas. Um, and when we asked around training in, in terms of training for assessing assessments, for learners who, who are experiencing learning barriers, it was only 43% of the teachers in the sample. So those are two kind of really key practical skills that teachers need to master to be able to make inclusion a reality in the classroom. Um, and, and really, I think these results show that, that the training that teachers are receiving is really lacking in depth. And it's, it's usually in-service training. So um, while our younger teachers have been trained to some extent in these skills and inclusive education is starting to be a philosophy that's um, kind of spread throughout their, their teaching training, um, for our older teachers, those who qualified several years ago, um, this training they usually receive in in-service training. Let me... Let me go to the li- yeah. Mm. Let me quickly go to the lines um, and uh, listen to what our A teamers have to say. Sonwabo, good evening. Good evening, Mr. President. Good evening to your listeners and to your guest. Respect. Fortunate enough for me, I have um, I'm visually impaired. I have um, go through mainstream school, also into special schools. So I know exactly the experience for both mainstream school and the special schools. Can you I don't share? Yeah, go ahead. I don't think the issue of, of inclusive education will work. Mm. What need the department to do or the government to do? They need to make sure that um, and they, they put all the, the, the important resources to special schools. They just need to improve um, their way of leadership in special schools, make sure that they got um, everything running well, from SUVs um, to principals and, 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 and EDOs. So, Nwaba, sure what, what was your experience like at a mainstream school? Uh, um, because I was not born blind, so I have to go to school, to mainstream school, like all other learners, 
but I have to leave um, um, the mainstream school to special schools after I went blind. Mm. Um, mm. Because what I, I noticed, um, teachers in, in mainstream school, they can work with us. They can um, and give visual impaired education. There's also they even in special school, there are few crises or few challenges that need to be solved, whereby you need to make sure that the learners or everyone in the school understand Braille. In, in Braille, you know. Yeah. So um, I know at least um, now uh, I see a few changes there and there. So, but we need to emphasize more the resources in the special schools, where we make sure that they specialize with the kids. Excellent. Thank you very much for sharing yeah. with us. Let me go now okay. to Spear. Uh, good evening, A.T. Spear. Okay. Good evening, Spear. Good evening, Sister. Good evening. Hi. Um. I also want to uh, share something like I think the other thing that can assist because I'm also a person living with disability and I start at like since birth I'm 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 a visual impaired person. I think the other thing that can help to improve education of uh, children living with disabilities is the, I think mainstreaming mainstream. There should be no special schools because now you find that, for instance, in the Eastern Cape. We only have three schools, for instance, for for blind people. Like there, there's not many of them. The schools, so mainstreaming will do, like will help a lot, so that the children can go to the schools, like close to where they are. You understand? Mm-hmm. You don't have to move from East London to to, for instance, to Port Elizabeth. Just because you have to attend school, you understand? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Oh. And and how yeah. has your experience been um, within the education system as a person who's visually impaired? Uh, I would say, yeah, it, 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 was, it was good for me because the teachers were well-trained for, like, to, 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 to use Braille because most I was blind since birth. So the teachers were well trained, and it really helped because, like, yeah, our schools were well equipped. But now I can see later now that the teachers are not uh, well trained; like, they don't mm-hmm. even know Braille. They like it's just a mess. Oh, all right. I, yeah, I think the training of teachers as well. Mm-hmm. Thank mm. you for sharing, Spear. Um I'm moving on now to Atima J. Good evening, Jay. Good evening to you. Once again, congratulations for being a very, very important uh, and professional person like today's guest. It is so important when one main thing in our life is to start with education. Yes. Um, what I would like to point out is, is the medium of teaching. It's the communication um, national, locally, and internationally, we are global. So what happens in the class now? When the child comes from uh, preschool or nursery school, they are not fully fluent in the uh, language English uh, medium. So what happens in the class? The teacher automatically switches on to the mother tongue. And with the result, the child loses that uh, connection. And, uh, you know, especially... Connecting with phonics, the sound of the letters, and uh, how is that is going to help the child to finally help themselves in reading. Reading is so very important, and the teachers uh, 
speaking to them and their listening skill has to de- develop at the school level also as much as it has to be done at home. Now, the reading part also has to be very, very important at home uh, uh, by parents, reading to children, introducing them to libraries, and schools must have proper libraries. What is very, very sad is I noticed that we have such huge townships, but the schools are dispersed miles and miles away. And these poor kids have to leave home so early in the morning and they return home very, very late. It is so hard so that our new government who has taken over, they only saw to their comfort and not to the generations that's coming up. I am very, very hard so at listening to some children that when they speak English, when they refer to a male, they refer to a male as she and um, Many, many times with adults, I have to correct them and tell them, you know what, the male is not a she. Please say he. So there's a lot, a lot. I've got lots of books. I just give it out to them to read and then they don't return it. It's so sad. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Jay. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, let me go to a message here from uh, Edwin. If I, yeah, Edwin. Edwin says, my twin daughters attended Astra, a school for learning disabilities, until 2019. They still can't do mathematical concepts or even check time, etc. They finished their schooling, but my concern is there's no further schooling or possible work for them. They don't even qualify for a disability. I'm concerned about their future. Please give me guidance. I thank you. So, Nicola, I know you are, you know, concentrating on economics, but the calls and the message that we've just had from our listeners clearly points out that there there is a gap in the education system when it uh, pertains to um, students uh, with disabilities, and that gap needs to be bridged. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's it's a a gap between what's in our policy, which is rather idealistic, and what's happening in practice. Um, So it was a really great selection of callers because you've got a a whole range of of views there, you know, from uh, uh, a man with a disability who'd been in a a special school and was was very, very keen on on the idea of special schools through to um, the young woman who, you know, was pointed out that we really do need to mainstream things because we just don't have enough special schools to cater for for all the learners who, who need special support or extra support. Um, so, yeah, there, there are some huge implementation gaps at the moment. Um, one, one of the key gaps is the support that's available in the district. So, unfortunately, you know, in some districts, the, the district support teams are quite well staffed and equipped, and that means that um, there are specialists available to, to go and support teachers in, in the regular classrooms and, and schools. Um, but in other districts, the teams are just lacking. Um, and unfortunately, it's only been quite recently that um, the norms and standards for, for district-based support teams have, have come out. Um, and and those norms and standards have been been released, but with the understanding that the teams will be staffed gradually. And 
and that that really is a problem. You know, we need these teams fully staffed in every district so that we don't have these inequalities that continue. You know, between between a child with a disability who who is born in a district in Eastern Cape and in Gauteng. Um, you know, this isn't something that teachers can do alone. So yes, teachers need training, but they also need to be supported by by the team in the district, by the, the specialists in the district. And and it's really disturbing that in this national level survey that um, that I analysed recently, that really the Western Cape is the only province where there appears to be specialist support reaching around 90% of schools in, in that province, whereas in other provinces it's really extremely low. Um, closer to the 30s or the 40% of, of schools that are being visited by even one psychologist, social worker, health specialist in the year. Let me go to A.T. Mangonde on the line. Good evening, Ngonde. Nungululeko, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm strong. How are you, Ngonde? Good, good. A very important subject and mostly neglected subject in our educational discourse. Uh, Patricia, I can comment on three things that you guess is aware about. Dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia. She would know about these things. And she would know also about FAS, fetal alcohol syndrome. Now, practically, when I was in Cape Town, I went to a certain high school. They were, they were doing grade nine. I was asked to assist in accounting, whatever. Then my cousin brother was there. What I picked up there would be relevant here. I noticed at grade nine, which was very much late for this child, that he could not read for meaning, grade nine already, you know. Counting was terrible, right? It's, it's got something to do with dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia. And I noticed that he actually had something wrong with his brain, right? But fortunately, I could pick up that it was FAS. When I asked his dad, what happened to this child, right? Briefly told me that, well, he knows that his mother while she was pregnant, she was drinking. Patricia, I then discovered that, wait a second, at grade nine already, then this child has been wrongly educated, if I can use the phrase, from grade one, right? So what I'm saying is this learning disability of children, especially in our play schools, in, for example, Patricia, I'm right here in P. I can tell you for free that in one suburb, Guadwesi, there's only one school called Kadisa for children with disabilities. And that school caters Patricia basically for the whole, you know, of PE. Right? Not only is it it, it, it is a school. I'm saying these schools are so scarce. Not only that, Patricia, the teachers in these so-called inclusive schools, right? They don't know 
a thing about learning disabilities. I hope your guests can do something about it. Maybe we need to build more exclusive schools, I can call it, whereby these children can be taught properly, right? Not being, I mean, put in this situation whereby they can, they've got no future. In this school, Patricia, that I mentioned in Abeja, most of these kids are doing math literacy. My good grief, Patricia, I can talk more. Good day, Patricia. Thank you so very much for sharing, Monde. Um Let's go to this uh, voice note quickly and then allow Nicola to respond. Good evening, Patricia. My name is Israel Malazi. Challenges we have with kids, children with disabilities is that um, we don't want a, a, a special schools anymore. Special schools are apartheid schools. We have uh, given the, the government the way to mainstream us in the in in the in the normal schools but now the the the, the government is busy telling us about our assistive devices which are which are so expensive so we have a plan of cheap uh, 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 devices but now the government doesn't want to even listen to us they don't even want to come and listen and our kids are becoming 18 and Department of Education doesn't want to take them anymore. So it's another problem that uh, challenges that uh, disabled kids do have. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, A-teamers, uh, for all the contributions. Let me go back to Nicola. Nicola, clearly there is a problem. And uh, yeah. w- how best can this be solved? I mean, uh, the South African um, Education Department did have a white paper on inclusive education 2001, as you have mentioned earlier. But 2001 to 2021, still we are seeing no changes. Instead, um, our A-teamers are crying. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been it's been a long time, and um, you know, if one looks back to the 2001 white paper, it's a good, good cold hard look at what really has been implemented. It's not a lot of what was laid out in that white paper. So um, maybe just one piece of good news is that that white paper is undergoing a review this year, um, and so I think it's really important. The more we discuss this. And the more kind of pressure we put on on um, on the department to be realistic in their um, in their review of of that white paper and to produce something that is implementable and and has concrete plans and and strategies in it, I think that's really important because in a way what we've ended up with is we we end up we've ended up caught between two systems so um, you know the it, from 2001, we moved away from the system of, of special schools. Not to say that those schools have been discontinued. They have been continued to be resourced, and we do have more special schools now than we did in um, in 2001. But because the official policy is inclusive education, but we have but that hasn't been resourced, so there isn't a funding strategy that sits behind it. Um, what we end up with is a, is a policy that. It's kind of a policy on paper, but but isn't backed by by funding to improve teaching, to provide more specialists, to provide those assistive devices that your your um, last caller discussed. Um, and and really, if we're going through a process of including children with disabilities in mainstream schools, so we're not funding 
providing the funding to support those children, it's going to be very difficult um, for them to really achieve their potential. Um, and, and another factor that does make this even more challenging was, as, as the first caller in that segment mentioned, we do see large numbers of children who get to grade nine without being identified as, you know, this is a learner who, who clearly has some sort of learning difficulty, hasn't managed to grasp reading uh, concepts of numbers by, by grade nine. And, um, yeah, we're seeing from, from this 2017 survey, again, around about 50% of schools who, who really don't feel confident in screening learners for, for those learning difficulties. Um, as well as, as visual and hearing difficulties. And, and that's a tremendous problem because we need to pick kids up early so that early intervention can happen and, and they can have a chance at, at success in their school journey. Mm. Now, for those who would like to know where can they go and uh, put on a petition, I know you were doing research, um, but I'm sure you have come across uh, organizations that they can go and, and lobby for such. Can you give us any details? Yeah, um, I, I, I haven't heard of any petitions, but certainly, um, you know, there are there are a lot of, of organisations out there, disabled people's organisations, NGOs, um, that it's worth looking at and, and getting involved with. So one is Inclusive Education South Africa, um, and they have a strong advocacy arm, as well as, as running a number of really nice projects. Um, in particular schools. And then um, there are also the disability groups, so, so groups like um, Disabled disabled Children's Action Group, DCAG, um, and the specific disabled people's organizations that, um, that support children with um, visual and hearing disabilities. It's really worth engaging with those, with those NGOs if, if your child is um, if you suspect your child has has some sort of disability that that needs support, um, but yeah, I think it's just the more the more aware we all are of of the extra challenges that kids with disabilities face in schools. And and when I say kids with disabilities, I'm talking about those those invisible disabilities like learning disabilities, as well as the more obvious physical disabilities, etc. Mm. Um, you know, the more we talk about it, the more it becomes a mainstream topic. I think, I think the more action that we can we can hope to get in this area. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us, Nicola, and uh, for sharing this insightful research that you have embarked on. Thank you, and thanks for your interest in the topic. It's really great to have the opportunity to discuss it. Have a good evening. Thanks. Bye.